The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Adventurers and welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Nate and Sully of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and now a member of the Make Us Better team over on Patreon. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy whose luck clearly never runs out. Josh, how are you doing this evening? I am great. That is way different than your usual answer. Yeah, well, if I ignore the baby's new sleep regression, I'm doing great. So I'm still tired, but I'm, I'm feeling good. Feeling gotcha. good. I, I get one more day of work and I get another six days in a row off. So uh, I'm just uh, looking forward to another long weekend. So clearly with all of these days off you had, you are going to have a ton of games to talk about a little bit here, right? You would think that the math would add <laughs> up to that, but it's not the case. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So really briefly though, did you see this whole thing about Nathan Drake and luck? I Okay. So I saw a headline that said Nathan Drake doesn't take bullet damage. And then yes. I stopped reading because I thought, I don't want to know where this article goes. Yeah. If, you tell me I played four Uncharted games and I wasn't taking bullet damage. I am going to be very mad. <laughs> yeah, so here's what it works. And this is like from Naughty Dog and Amy Henning and everyone's like, yep, this is the how it works. Is that when Nathan Drake is running around and his screen is getting red and you think he's taking bullet damage, that is actually just a symbol of his luck running out. And that if his luck gets too low, he will actually then get shot and that is when he dies. Okay, so it's so not he's him. taking one bullet, not 15 bullets. Is that a fair way of explaining that? Yes. <laughs> and that apparently was like the original design philosophy for it. I think the red makes it feel not that way, but that yeah. is what they are trying to indicate is that his luck is running out. And that's why he can regenerate health when he gets behind something is he's kind of getting his luck back. It's not him actually regaining health. All right. If you show me like original Uncharted development diaries that say that, I'll believe it. Otherwise, so in my head, it's just in my head, it's just them going. Well, all these people say, "How come Nathan Drake can get shot so much? How can we explain that?" And then they're like, "Oh, he's lucky." But <laughs> they say it's taken very much from like Indiana Jones. Like, think about how many people shoot at Indiana Jones but never hit him. That's true. It's the same philosophy from the pulp adventure, you know, movie. He even survived a nuclear bomb in a refrigerator. Right. Exactly. So the same idea. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> I thought it was kind of a cool thing. I thought that was interesting and explains a lot. I so. totally get that some people like that. <laughs> wow, man. All right. I guess I'm going to be the positive one on the show today. But hey, you know what? This isn't a podcast just about Uncharted, though I totally would do an Uncharted only podcast. I would do that in a heartbeat. But this is a gaming podcast. So thanks for much, so much for joining us this week. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter. Or check us out at Board with VG on Instagram, where Josh posts tons of pictures from the amazing games he is playing. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash board with VG. And we'll take your long form emails, board with VG at gmail.com. 
As always, use that hashtag board with Fiji. Can I say board with Fiji one more time? Sure. Hashtag board with Fiji on all the social medias just so that we know what you're doing and have an easy way to find you. And as always, if you are now interested in helping make us better, check out Patreon at patreon.com slash make us better. And a big thank you to all the supporters there who are helping keep the mics on. So enough of this housekeeping. Josh, what have you been playing on your tabletop with all of your time off? Well, spoilers for what you have been playing, but I saw your picture, which you did not hashtag board with VG. I know, I realized it after I did it, but you did for me, so thank you. Yeah, I jumped right in there. Uh, and I said to my wife, games tonight. That's how I usually propose games. Games tonight? And she, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, playing Clank. And she's like, oh. I said, no, we're playing. <laughs> and Kyle played it. We could talk about it together. It's a perfect opportunity. I've been wanting to play it. So uh, a few months ago, maybe a month ago, we cleaned off my front porch, which is uh, considerably cooler. It's, you know, we're in, we're in the midst of a heat wave. It's very hot right now still. Um so we went out, we got lights to put up, we got a, we have a lantern, we have a card table. And so we sat at, we've been sitting outside playing games on the porch. I figured out a way to level the table with my slanting porch. So the dice will now. So we sat out and, you know, we had some nice mood lighting and it felt very clankish because it was relatively dark and we had the lantern right next to the board. And um, we set up Clank with uh, the, you know, with the idea of talking about it together, at least in my head, uh, about our experiences. Um, I don't know if you did it or not, but we used the companion app uh, when we played the Renegade companion app. We did not use it, so it'll be interesting to compare and contrast our experiences. Yes. Um, I can say I can probably I can imagine playing it without it. The even during playing my wife, so this this app is really cool. It adds like a whole new level to the game. Um, and then I also played it solo last night with the app as well. Um, the first game I died, spoilers, and the second game I got rescued, but technically I still died. <laughs> um, so Clank, for people who don't know, I can't. I mean, it's been out for a considerable amount of time. Um, but it's, I guess it's like a dungeon crawl Spelunky collaboration where you're playing these adventures. It's up to four players and you are following, we'll say paths, pre, pre-cut paths, pre-dug paths down into a dungeon that is full of loot and bad guys and companions and <laughs> traps or whatever. Um, and you're trying to, and I, I'm probably not going to remember the terminology, but you're trying to get, um, maybe you can, we're, we're, we're trying to get... Artifacts. Thank you. You're trying to collect artifacts that George value and price, uh, value, they range in value. So uh, if you only go into the dungeon at a certain depth, the, the least distance you travel, the least value artifact you will grab. But the goal is to... Go into the dungeon, grab an artifact, and get out without dying. Um, as you're going through the dungeon, you are making clank noises, we'll say. You, you, your character will make clank by stumbling or um, using certain cards or whatever. And clank will alert the dragon, 
also cards will alert a dragon. And as you accrue clank noise, it gets pooled into a clank pile. And once a dragon card is drawn, all of your cubes will go into a bag uh, with your competitor's cubes and dragon cubes. There's a dragon uh, rage track. And as the dragon moves up the rage track, you will draw out more cubes uh, per time the dragon goes. Uh, so you start depending on how many players and from anywhere between three cubes to five cubes. Um, on the start though, I think the most you can start with is four, but he tops off at five cubes. And as you're uh, doing this, you're taking out, if you take out black cubes, which are the dragon cubes, they are removed from the bag and kept separate. If you take out your character's color cubes, those represent damage and they go on your health track. Your health track goes up to 10. If you hit 10, you you either die or get rescued, depending on how deep into um, this dungeon or cave, if you want to call it, whatever it's called, um, are. So my game, I went all the way to the bottom to get the most valuable artifact and tried to get back. Now, that didn't work out so well for me. My wife, she, she kind of moved around in the dungeon, but she ended up getting a lower cost artifact, but scored very highly because of all the things she picked up on the way. So as you go into rooms, you can you pick up mystery tokens or loot, and you will gain certain things from them. You can also buy a crown, a backpack, or a key, because some paths are locked. Some paths you have to fight monsters to go down, and there's crystal caves, I think they're called. And those stop you uh, when you're moving. Uh, once you enter a crystal cave, you have to stop, and that uh, essentially ends your turn. Um, but on the whole, this is a deck builder. So you are building your deck, and you are using skill points, which if you play Ascension, you'll be very familiar with, or any deck builder really legendary. You might know them as recruit points um, in other games. And those will allow you to buy cards from the general supply or the dungeon deck. And you also have attack. And you also have um, movement. And for, um, boots. Boots, which move you through the dungeon. Um, that being said, so we played that. I'll let you talk more about the game mechanisms. But when we use the app, it implements a like Dragon's Apprentice. And you put in how many players, you pick the colors, you can put your names in at the end, and it does all the scoring for you, which is nice. Um, but essentially, you have this, I'm going to say she's like a Medusa-looking creature on the screen, and there's three boxes next to her, and they're all, they're interactable. And one says, you know, press this uh, every time you fight a goblin. So a goblin would be the equivalent of a, a cultist in Ascension. It's a monster that's always available to fight. Um, that is a hit point of value of two, Every time you beat him, you will get two coins. But every time you fight a goblin, you have to press this box on the app. Or every time you enter a crystal cave, you have to press that box in the app. Or every time you draw two or more cards on your turn extra, you press the box on this app. And as you press these things, you're enraging the dragon's apprentice. And at a certain point, like the screen flips out, her image changes, and she makes you do something in the game that wouldn't normally happen if you're just playing by the regular rules. So it might be like add three clank or 
um, do a dragon encounter now, or these, a lot of different things, uh, remove, one of them was like, remove all crowns from the game. So like, so it really changes things up, but you're always like wondering like, what's going to happen if I press this button now? It was very cool and very intuitive. Um, and when you play solo, use the app, it as you put in another um, color while you're playing, and essentially you play the game through the app and it tells you like, add three clank of the other color, um, do a dragon attack now, remove um, cards one and six of the drag of the dungeon deck. And it's like if six was a monster, uh, do a dragon attack or add three of your own clank. So it's just adding all these other things, simulating as if you were playing against another player, um, which I found way more dragon attacks happened against me playing by myself because you're essentially you're doing this for the other character as well. So sometimes you have them back to back because I would draw a dragon card on my deck turn and then so would the other player. Um, so the big thumbs up for the app for me. Um, but why don't you let me know what you guys thought? Because I'm interested to hear. Yeah, so I mean, like you said, you pretty much hit on a lot of the big things. Uh, it, it's an interesting mix, right? And I think the reason that I like, you know, having a deck building game with a board is that it very much gives you the feeling between I need to well balance between how many am I going to focus on skill points? Am I going to focus on my ability to defeat creatures? Or am I going to try to focus on my ability to move? Because obviously you have to get down into the depths in order to get these artifacts, but you also have to be able to get out with them. So you have to really try to balance where do I want to put my energy and where do I want to put my resources in? And, you know, like with any deck builder, sometimes it's going to work out really well if you, depending on how you plan. And sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes you're going to be in situations where you planned a lot as far as skill and movement goes, but then most of the things that are coming up from the dungeon deck are creatures that you have to fight. You just don't have the ability to fight them. So, you know, I thought it was really interesting and it's a very interesting mind game as well between you and the other people you're playing with. Like, how deep into the into this dungeon are you going to go? How deep into the depths, which is like the lower part of the dungeon that you have to get out of if you want any chance of winning? You know, how deep are you going to go? Are people going to go for those big 30 point, you know, the 30 point artifacts? Or are you going to go for this less ones to try to get out? Because if you get completely out, you get bonus points. Um so it was a really interesting game, and I thought it was an interesting take on the deck building genre because I love deck builders. They're probably some of my favorite games. And this, I really enjoyed the change up here. It definitely is a game that I want to play more. We played it two times. The first time I actually got all the way out, I completely escaped. And then when you completely escape, you actually move your piece to the very, very top. There's a uh, dragon track at the very top of the board. And then every time it's my turn, the dragon would attack. And I can't get damaged because I'm out. So it hit my wife every single time as it went through that thing. Um, and she survived. She did not die at all. <laughs> but she eventually, it, the dragon got to the last spot. And actually, technically, at that point, it kills everyone that's still in there. But she was above the depths. So she got to add up her points and she destroyed me. Like, not yeah. even close. <laughs> I went. Try, I would try to go really fast. I went down fast, grabbed the first artifact and got out there. And, you know, when it's two players, she's like, okay, I have probably five turns to get down and get back above, you know, the depth line so that I get to score even if I die. Yeah. So that, you know, in a two-player game, is a long time to plan for. So I think with two players trying to do that really quick get in, get out doesn't work super great. The second game then that we played, 
I was having a heck of a time. My deck was just not performing well. Every time that I would get a good hand, like the things in the dungeon deck just weren't helpful for me. I just was really having a struggle. I was really struggling. And I ended up being in the market. There is a market in the game where you can buy a few different things. You can buy like a key that gets you through. Some of the paths have locks on them that you only can travel if you have a master key. You can pick up crowns that just give you extra points at the end of the game. And you can get backpacks, which initially you can only ever carry one artifact. But if you get a backpack, you can carry an additional artifact for each backpack you have. So I was in the market and you also earn gold throughout the game and you have to spend gold to buy these things. But conveniently, and I like this, gold is worth points at the end of the game too. And it's a one-to-one thing. Like one piece of gold is worth one point. So it's very, you have to think long and hard about whether or not you want to spend seven gold to get a five-point backpack, you know? So I ended up saying it was in this really struggling area and then said, okay, things aren't going well. And then two turns in a row while I was in the market, I was able to get a backpack, pick up an artifact, and then pick up another artifact and get above the um, baseline and then start working my way to the top. And my wife was way down in the depths at that point. (laughs) And I had been way behind. And suddenly she got a little nervous. And then I was actually able to get out because of some special cards I had. I was able to get out on my next turn. And then she actually ended up dying in the depths. Oh, no. Yeah, so she got really upset with me because, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's this really interesting balance of, you know, you you create the noise, so you put the clank up, and then it goes into the bag, and then that becomes damage. How much do you want to? They have things called major and minor secrets that sometimes when you get these will help you heal damage, or they'll help give you extra um, skill to purchase things, and they'll do a lot of different things like that. You can move on to point, um, spaces that will heal damage from you. But it really becomes this mind game of how much damage do I need to heal? How many pieces of clank have I put in the bag already that I don't totally remember? Like you can try to do the math based on the number of clank pieces you have left, how much damage you've taken. You can kind of try to do the math, but it's a really interesting, fun game. I really enjoyed our time with it. I thought from a production quality standpoint, it was really interesting, or I should say really high quality. Like it's a good feeling game. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a unique take on deck building. I think that, there's a lot of different strategies you can use. The app sounds great. I think we'll definitely try that out when we play it in the future. But I think, yeah, there's a lot of different ways that you can approach this. And I think even with more players, it gives a lot more variety than what it does with two. But it definitely yeah. makes me want to buy the expansions. It definitely makes me want to get Clank in space. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy this game a lot. I wish I would have played it sooner because I've had it for some time. Yeah, me too. But, I, but I'm definitely glad I got it to the table. And it's one my wife enjoyed, too. So this is, I think, something that, especially over the next few months, that we'll probably be playing pretty regularly. I really like that. I like that. Uh, we While it is a competitive game, I don't necessarily think we really felt too competitive with each other because mm-hmm. there's enough the artifacts aren't too vast like there's a 30 25 20 like if someone gets 20 or 25 there's still options like you're not out of the game um and you can kind of root for each other still like even if like you can both try to get out and then just who has the more points um wins so like as it is competitive i didn't really feel that it has the same element of a deck builder where it's you're trying to defeat your opponent head on uh, yeah. which, which i like that aspect yeah there's definitely not a lot of player interaction like there are some cards that you know if you play them it makes the other person put clank in and there's yeah. a little bit of that but it very much feels like while you're playing it like okay i have created a strategy i'm going to try to execute my strategy let's see if my strategy is better than your strategy is 
And that's yeah. it. You know, so yeah. you can definitely like learn from what other players are doing, keeping an eye on how they're playing, seeing what routes they're taking, you know, and really trying to dig into the strategy that they're using and understanding how they're playing the game. And there's not a lot to take that in it, which I agree. It definitely makes it feel not, I never, I didn't feel like when I lost that my wife beat me, I just felt like her strategy was better than mine was. So I needed to change my strategy for the next game and figure out a better strategy moving forward. There was no like hurt feelings. There was no feeling picked on, like what you have said in other deck building games, there definitely that can happen where somebody feels targeted or attacked or your powers really gear at trying to make it so the other person can't play the game they want to. This doesn't feel like that at all. This very much feels like everybody can play the game they want. Let's just see whose game is the best. Yeah. And the app keeps track of your records too. Like it'll save your name. So it'll keep track of your scores and your records if if that's something that you're interested in too. I'm not because I know I'd have way more losses. So I'm really (laughs) not interested in that. Losses are okay. It means you're growing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll remember that line next time that I've lost my 10th game in a row. Look how much I've grown. It's so great. Yeah, well, you can look at your points if your points are going up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anything but, else about Clank you want to talk about? Um, no, I mean, I'm, I am I feel the same way as you. I, I really wish I played it sooner. I've had it forever. Um. As much as I like to get the expansions and the sequels right now, I, I think uh, definitely get some more playtime in, and then uh, and then we'll ad- we'll address that. Um, but I can see if I, if it's a good deal, if I can get it like a deal of the day or something, I would definitely jump on it because I yeah. know it's Tuesday now, but yesterday Monday it was on sale for thirty five percent off. Clank was so like they're still doing sales. So if I can grab Clank in space for cheap, I will. Yeah, and you know, I don't think we've mentioned yet, but it's designed by Paul Denon, who the only games Paul's done, I believe, is Clank and Clank in Space. Uh, so those are the two kind of base games: is Clank and Clank in Space. And then there are expansions for both that fit with you know there are expansions for Clank and there are expansions for Clank in Space. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting in that way. Uh, when I had tweeted at renegade about like how am i supposed to decide which one to buy they were like both are great yeah i remember that (laughs) perfect that's great well i went with clank uh but i think you know the base game i think is 60 bucks is retail but i think you can find it typically in the 40 dollars price range and i think for 40 dollars it's a great game for 40 yeah but even even at 60 like i think the game is worth it but yeah i mean like i said most places it's 40 dollars and it's easily worth a 40 dollars investment because you're gonna get a lot of play out of this and since it's a deck builder you know, it's going to be different every time. And since there's some randomization with the placement of things, uh, when you're playing at least with two players, you know, it's going to feel a little bit different every time. But yeah, I'm excited to continue to play this. And I am definitely planning to get the expansions for it as well. Nice. Very cool. Any other board games that you played, sir? No. Um, no other board games. I did pick up Ticket to Ride New York at Target. Target um, exclusive, right? Is it? I didn't know. but I think it might be, yeah. There wasn't on the shelf. I had to ask, um, just like the people on uh, the internet said, make sure you ask. It wasn't on the shelf. They were right. Um, and it wasn't at the Target, a different Target I went to today on the shelf. So they're they're a little uh, slacking on getting that out. But um, yeah, uh, I'm interested in trying it. It's very small, but looks like fun. But yeah, how about you? Any other games? Yeah, I didn't really play anything else. I think the game is supposed to be like... It's only like 10 to 15 minutes long, I believe. That's what it, I think it was. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but yeah, I'm just double checking here. It is a Target exclusive. You can only get the game at nice. Target. So. It's only 20 bucks. 
Awesome. All right. Well, hey, we both played the same board game. I wonder if we both played the same video game. So what have you been playing on your television, sir? I haven't been playing much, to be totally honest with you. it's It was a tough week. I played a little bit of Paladins just to play a couple more matches. Um, I think we played Overwatch with Coach between the last episode and this one. We did. Okay. So we played Overwatch. And then, um, so I've been downloading the Prime Day games. Yeah. And I, out of all the games that I've been playing, I played Manual Samuel. How is that? I'm very interested <laughs> in that because that was a game that was it. Hmm. I'm trying to remember the first time I heard about this. I can't remember if this was a PlayStation thing or a Nintendo thing. But either way, I've known about this game for a while. What do you think of Manual Samuel? <laughs> well, first of all, it looks great. Uh, the art is very good uh, as far as the theme of it. Um, that makes me it, worried about the rest when you're like, well, to start, I mean, it looks really good. It has a funny narrator. So it's like um, like the narrator of like, so like the fallout ads or like this old 60s like TV ads. So it has like old timey narrator with that, you know, like that music that like pop, not poppy, like jingly type music from the 60s. Uh, and essentially, you're Samuel, who is kind of a buffoon and a jerk, and he insults his girlfriend while they're in a cafe, and she literally throws a bottle at his head and knocks him unconscious, and he gets up, and you are now controlling his limbs, so like Octodad or whatever that game is. Um, and uh, you get hit by a bus and die. Spoilers. Uh, and then death comes. Uh, the only thing, oh, well, not the only thing. Uh, death is a little bit of a stereotypical, um, we'll say, vernacular and and speech pattern <laughs> that I was thought might be a little problematic. Um, but otherwise, uh, death is like a wannabe rapper. And he's like, I'm, I'm bringing you back to life, but you have to survive 24 hours, but there's a catch. I'm going to, you know, do something to you that affects your everyday life. And you just basically have to, you know, get on with it. So what death does is he basically takes away your ability to control any involuntary op things your body does, like breathe. So you have to control breathing with buttons. You have to control blinking your eyes. You have to control your spine, which will fold over sometimes, your limbs individually, um, and then your challenge with brushing your teeth, putting on clothes, driving a car, <laughs> with which is a standard. <laughs> oh, for, are you so mean like you a manual? To, yeah, it's manual. manual. So you have to drive a clutch. And they teach you how to drive clutch, and then oh, you have to cool. constantly start and stop the car to drop people off. Um, it's pretty entertaining. I didn't think I was going to like it at all because I'm like, this is going to be like another I am bread. I have no interest in it, but it was very captivating for a game. That's who knows how old, but I was laughing a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I had to stop because it was getting late. Go figure. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll continue playing it. Um, it's, it was a free game. I mean, I hope it, I don't know if it's, I know that they're limiting the days you can get them, but if you have, 
a PC and you can grab it, it's it's definitely worth the free price tag. Um, and it was fun. I, I had a really good time breathing in and out. And if you don't exhale, you pass out. Oh, Your face turns blue and you pass out. <laughs> so, and if you don't inhale, yeah, if you don't if you don't blink, like you start to lose your vision, and the guys like reminding you, make sure you blink. What are you doing? <laughs> but every time you do something stupid, the narrator says something like smartass about you're forgetting how to walk or whatever the case is. So it's pretty. It's very funny. Great sense of humor game, and uh, the controls are challenging. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, uh, the publisher Curve Digital does a lot of interesting things because in, in addition to Manuel Samuel, they're the folks who did like Serial Cleaner and The Flame and the Flood and Hue and Human Fall Flat um, and like Action Hank and Pumped BMX Plus. So like they do a lot of very, obviously they're not the developer, but they publish a lot of very like quirky, interesting games. And it seems like maybe Manuel Samuel fits right in with a lot of the other stuff that they do. So... Yeah, and I did play some Game Pass games. I did try Human Fall Flat, and I okay. did play Shadow Complex Remastered mm-hmm. for a while. Um, I tried another game that I ended up deleting. That's like kind of what I do with Game Pass. Um, <laughs> I will say I did a I did a review of Human Fall Flat on PSVG.blog if you ever want to go read it. Yes, you did. Yeah, but yeah, so- that's that's all I've been playing. Uh, what have you been playing? So I'm kind of in the same boat. I've, I've been in cleanup mode. I have been trying to finish off a lot of games that I have started and talked about a lot. So I'm just going to mention briefly the things I'm still working on. And then I'm going to talk also very briefly about a new thing that I'm trying that I haven't decided if I like it or not. But uh, still, I'm on the last level of Bulletstorm. So I have almost have that finished up. So that is right there. Uh, I still really am enjoying this game. I do think that I'm to the point now with the number of hours I put into it that the shtick of the game is starting to wear thin, which it probably should have wore sort of wearing thin a lot sooner than it did. But just the dialogue and how they talk and all that stuff, it, it gets very it is starting to get a little old. Um it's still a fun game though. Like the combat in it is just interesting and and when you go in and are thinking about how to approach these situations and trying to get as many points as you can to be able to like buy more ammo and upgrade your weapons. It is an interesting thing. So that's kind of cool. Like I still am enjoying my time with it. Not quite done with it. I also went back to Far Cry because I promised you I was going to finish Far Cry. (laughs) So I'm going to finish Far Cry. I did not finish it yet, but I still put a little more time back into that, trying to get that wrapped up. Also played obviously more Overwatch like we talked about with Coach Mo and really I've gotten, I've fallen down this really deep rabbit hole of on my lunch break at work, I watch coaching videos for Overwatch. Not that I'm that great at Overwatch, I just find the strategy behind the game (laughs) fascinating and I know most people find that really boring. But the Overwatch World Cup teams have been announced and like they're kind of basically the countries that have qualified get 12 people on their roster and then they have seven that they actually get to come to, that get to go to the events. And they have most of the countries have announced their 12 and their seven. So, you know who the whole roster is. And then you also know the groups that they're going to be kind of starting, if you would, or, or it's actually going to be traveling to the event. So that's really gotten me back into thinking about competitive Overwatch again, speaking of which the playoffs start this week. So that's exciting, too, for Overwatch League. The playoffs actually finally ramp up after a couple of weeks off here. So we'll be watching those again. But yeah, so I've gotten really into watching these breakdowns and strategy and all this other stuff as far as Overwatch goes. But yeah, so just really jumping back into a lot of the things I have been playing, um, playing more Luminous again, too, trying to get my mind to get past the point of lines and back to squares. And we're <laughs> doing better. Where we are back to blocks, not just lines, so things have improved there. But a lot of things that I just 
yeah, I was like, I really need to start finishing things up. I want to play. Um, I've actually never played Tearaway, uh, even though I own it. So I have Tearaway and Resident Evil 4 downloaded because I've actually never played Resident Evil 4. <gasps> oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. So <laughs> those two games are downloaded, and I intend to play them both, but I said I have to finish a few games before I will let myself start either of those. So yeah, those are both there ready to play, and I figured those were a good yin and yang to one another. So oh, for sure. Yeah, so those are going to be kind of the next two I jump into. But the game I want to talk about, and I'm going to see if you've ever heard of this game. Does the name Fate Grand Order mean anything to you? Well, when I hear Fate, I picture that JRPG game. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? It is a JRPG game, yep. Okay. Are you so familiar I, with... know the, I know the Fate title, but I don't, okay. I know, I've never played the games. Okay. So Fate Grand Order actually is, in 2017, it was the sixth highest grossing mobile game in the world okay right most people especially in the united states this is not a game that is making huge waves but the thing that's really interesting about this game is that it is published by anaplex are you familiar with anaplex this is super nerdy sony stuff so if you're not that's totally cool i don't think so no so anaplex is a subsidiary of sony music entertainment uh, they've been and doing they, weird stuff with that sony yeah, music brand right and this is a game that they have published so here we have a game a uh, game that is only right now on ios and android that is a free-to-play rpg jr well really kind of jrpg that is published by sony music entertainment and it was That's the sixth highest grossing mobile game of last year but anyway so what it is fate grand order is a like i said it's a role-playing game and it's a turn-based tactical rpg basically what is happening is you have a group of up to and i really this bothers me i know probably certain other other people probably don't care but you are the commander or in the game quote-unquote master of a group of servants which just rubs me the wrong way but anyway, in battle, you have up to six servants. Three of them are active members and three of them are reserve members. But then what you do is on your turn, you are given, you basically have a deck of cards that you get five random cards from the deck and you can pick three of them as your attacks. And depending on the order that you pick them in, what cards you pick um, is going to kind of determine what type of attack you're going to get. So there are heavy attacks. There are kind of medium attacks. And quick lighter attacks, some that have magic, some that don't have magic. You can chain things together. You can create spells. Like, you can do all of this stuff just based on how you link together the three cards you choose to use in your attack. So that's basically what the game is, is you are going on this RPG adventure. Um, and you get into combat and you fight using this these cards. And then that gives you rewards, which I think, oh, man, the currencies called gotcha i think like g-a-c-h-a but then you can use that to buy new quote-unquote servants um and craft essences <laughs> to get like new cards and all that stuff so it's a free-to-play game that definitely has in-app purchases uh when the game first came out apparently somebody made a big deal about it because like the first day it came out a 31 year old guy in japan apparently spent like seventy thousand dollars on in-app purchases in like the first day <laughs> so yeah but it is still a game that in like even in January, it's still like in the top five as far as grossing game mobile games. It's really interesting. I am more into it than I thought I would be. The story is good, not great, but the combat is kind of fun and really 
taking these cards and figuring out how you're going to put them together and, and all of this is kind of, I'm having a good time with it. I used to play a lot of Disney Magic Kingdoms. And when I went moved to iPhone, I just stopped that game cold turkey. But then I didn't have any games really to play that were a little more of a time sink on my phone anymore. So I was trying to look for something and I've been kind of craving a, to play an RPG again. And with, you know, Octopath Traveler coming out here soon. I thought giving Fate Grand Order it a go might be fun. And, you know, I'm I'm having an okay time with it. So, yeah, Fate Grand Order, like I said, currently on mobile is on both iOS and Android. There are some talks about other versions of the game being announced or released. I think that they've talked about a PSVR version of this game potentially coming in the future. Uh, I don't know if I'm that into it that I want to play something like that. But yeah, I don't know if you're into JRPGs or tactical RPGs and are looking for something that whet your appetite mobily, Fate Grand Order might be something you want to check out. It is a very Japanese game, but I think there are definitely some elements if you're into RPGs you may want to check out. So that's Well, I downloaded it, so we'll see. Okay, let's see. We'll see if you enjoy it. So (laughs) hey, with that, we'll transition to some of our topics of the show. And Josh... Why don't you take the first one? Oh, well, this topic, the Dice Tower Rewards topic? Okay, well, let's let's cover that since we've been talking about it for months. We can finally get into it. So uh, the Dice Tower Rewards held, it, held its annual convention last week, and as part of the convention, the Dice Tower Award winners were announced uh, Thursday night. I was watching it live. Um which was very exciting. They had a they had a lot of the developers were there, so that was cool to see. Um, so you might remember that we had a contest going on for that. Uh, if I didn't remind you enough, so we're going to cover the awards, and then we'll tell you how we did, and we'll tell you who our winner was. That's pretty exciting, I think. So why don't we start? I'll do them in the order I have them, I guess, and uh, I'll just join just run through them, and we'll talk about. Yeah, that's Whatever at the end. All right, yeah. so we got best small publisher, and he kind of ruined it while he was up there. Best new designer, both went to Gloomhaven. It was kind of funny because he was accepting his award, and he goes, "Oh yeah, they give you two trophies for the people involved," but he didn't know that, so he's like, "Oh, it's nice to win this and best new designer." Oh. <laughs> They didn't even do. They did that award immediately after, so he was right back up. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, so those both went to Gloomhaven. Um, best production value went to Photosynthesis, which I think was a surprise. Uh, best game expansion, Star Wars Rebellion. Best game artwork went to Near and Far. Most innovative game, Seventh Continent. Best two-player game, Santorini. Best game reprint. Downforce when even the guy was like, you know, if I didn't win this award, I was going to be pretty upset. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's kind of my old company's job. <laughs> uh, best party game. And since I've played it, I totally agree. Uh, Magic Maze, uh, which I hadn't played before we had made our predictions. Uh, best family game went to Azul. Best cooperative game, surprising to me, went to Gloomhaven, even though I picked that. <laughs> Best strategy game, Gloomhaven. Best game theming, This War of Mine. And uh, the game of the year went to Gloomhaven. So he was up there a bunch, (laughs) which was funny to see. Um, So that being said, uh, when I went through that night, 
I made a little spreadsheet of our contestants and our predictions. I was listening back to the podcast as I was doing the lists to make sure I get them down right. So uh, Kyle and I had two crossovers. We both picked Gloomhaven for best new designer, and we both picked Downforce for best game reprint. Otherwise, we were pretty much, we, we didn't pick the same game at all, and we both only got four correct. We both went four and ten. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> that was, I couldn't believe how bad we did. Uh, but I was looking through the list, and some of the things we picked were our favorites, not necessarily the industry leaders. So like, um, I picked Fox in the Forest. We both picked Drop Mix. Yeah, um, I'm really, like, I really like, and I'm going to talk about Seventh Continent soon because I've been playing more of it. But I, man, I'm really bummed that Drop Mix did not win for most innovative. I really think it should have. Um, but, you know, I picked Gollum Edition for best artwork. Um, like, there were things we picked that were clearly favorites and not necessarily, like, if we sat down and thought about it, we probably would have done a little bit better. Who knows? Maybe worse. Uh, I appreciate but, you trying to make this look better. I really do. <laughs> that being said, with an outstanding nine correct predictions, uh, the winner of our contest was Paul Calicote himself. Himself? It's Paul Calicote. Um, great job, Paul. And I will be sending you an email. So I'm just going to ask you um, what games you already own from the winners. And then just let me, well, actually, yeah. And then you just respond back. And at some point in the near future, I will be sending you a, a game, a brand new game. How you awesome know, is that? You know, it's really interesting, too, since you said you wouldn't send out Gloomhaven. It's really good that at least Gloomhaven didn't win. A, man, Gloomhaven won, like, half of the awards. So this could, depending on Paul's game collection, this could be very challenging for you. Yeah. And I don't know if I can buy this war of mine in stores. Can I? Was that a Kickstarter only? It was a Kickstarter. I've never seen it in stores. Oh, no, I have. I take that back. I have seen it in stores. Yeah. And Paul, you're not getting Seventh Continent either. Sorry. Yeah, that's impossible. And I'm not sending you my copy. Sorry. Well, like they just let you they let some people buy into the pledge master again recently. Yep, they did. Um, but that went fast. So yeah, uh, congratulations, Paul, and uh congratulations on being the first board with video games contest winner. More to come in the future. Indeed. So really quickly, you know, Gloomhaven taking home, you know, five awards. Is there anything on this list that when you look at it, you disagree with? I know I we I know we both said that we really wanted Drop Mix to win most innovative, but I think that's because it holds a special place in our heart. Is there anything here that you're just like, no, nah, I don't think that was the right pick? Um, I'm I th- I think I'm just more surprised that Photosynthesis beat Azul for best production value. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that it's a bad game at all production wise, but um, it just seems like. I don't know. That was a general surprise to me. Um, and I, you know, I have nothing to say about this or mine because I have no, you know, experience playing the game. But no, I think every game is deserving to either be nominated or to win. I don't think that there could have been a game that won that. Well, yeah, I don't think there could have been a game that won that I would have disagreed with. Right. So I'm they did do a really good it. job with their nominees. They were, it was a really solid list of nominees that they had this year for sure. Yeah. So. Hey, you know, congratulations, Paul. Yeah. And we're, we're going to transition now to from some good news. 
with some less good news. But hey, you know what? Every once in a while, we have to have these maybe slightly more challenging conversations. Because in other news, some gamers got upset. Imagine that. About interactions with developers, and those developers got fired as a result. This story's been making the rounds, but just as a really brief synopsis, if you're not sure, two writers from the studio ArenaNet who work on Guild Wars 2 were fired from their job after getting into a heated exchange on Twitter with a streamer. Now, there's a lot to this story that would probably honestly take an entire show for us to dissect and talk about and peel back all of the layers on. But I really do encourage you to go to Kotaku, PC Gamers, some other places that have been really writing some good in-depth stories about this really complex situation. And there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of layers involving business, gaming culture, Gamergate, and just a lot of other things that are teeming in this situation that make it a lot more complex than maybe it seems at the surface when you read it. And I don't necessarily want to jump into and dive into that situation because Guild Wars 2 is just a game that I don't think either one. I know I don't play. I don't think you play either. I used to play Guild Wars, but I never jumped into 2. Okay. So just it's kind of one of those games that I just don't have a lot to talk about. So I feel like it's hard for me to really understand the, the culture and the company and kind of the way things are there. But what I do want to talk about more, Josh, is what responsibility do gaming companies have and individual developers have when it comes to social media? Do they have the right to stand up for themselves? Do they have the right to push back if they feel like members of their community are being unfair or disrespectful? You know, or do they just have to take it? Is it just their job of, hey, the customer is always right? You just need to grin and bear it. In this day and age, when it's very, very easy for the mob mentality to form, where what's the responsibility level of companies, individual developers? What should they be doing or not doing? Well, first off, the customer is not always right. I think we talked about this a while ago. Yes, we it's, have. It's uh, just something you've been told that, not you, but people have been told that people believe. And I used to believe it at one point too. Um, but at one po- at some point, the customer can become belligerent and wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happens. People get upset. That's human nature. W- social media is a job now. There's social media managers. So uh, it's tough to, like, this isn't, obviously this isn't just a Guild Wars problem. This, right. You could take Guild Wars out. You could put any game in or any company in. And you see these problems because... Some people like to say everyone um, has an opinion, which is true, but that's not really what the internet has become. The internet has not become that everyone has an opinion. It's that there are lots of people who are intentionally attacking people to get a response. Mm -hmm. So as a company, which I can't speak to their company, but if you have a social media manager or anyone in that department, you need to empower them to make smart decisions and that can be part of the factor um but you don't have to engage anyone on social media even xbox support their job is xbox support on twitter they don't have to do anything there's a phone number you can call for that specific thing do they interact with people yes do they interact with me usually four days after i send them a tweet uh and it's way too late um in some people justifiably get very mad at them if they don't respond quick enough. That's their decision. There's a mute button on Twitter. There's there's a block button. If people are harassing, that's what those are there for. But it's real easy to tell someone to let, it, let that roll off your back and don't engage, especially if you're someone who's passionate either about the product, product 
or a project that is being slandered or attacked or whatever, if someone came after you for something you've worked your professional career on for years, you might want to defend it. So I can see why this thing happened, but still you're a business. And if your job is, if you're being paid to be a social media person, you need to conduct yourself in a professional manner. If I swore at every customer that swore at me at Best Buy, I would have got fired from Best Buy a long time ago. And I would have gotten fired because as a business, the person that is talking to customers is the face of your business, no matter if they're uh, part-time, full-time, management, or above. So let's let's say, because in this situation, it was not their social media managers. It was not their business account. Let's say one of those customers found your personal Twitter account and was like, Josh, your service was crap. You did a bad job. You're the worst Best Buy employee ever. I can't believe that they have hired you. Let me tell you how to do your job better. And they did that. And they came to your personal Twitter account and started saying those things to you. Do you feel you have no right to defend yourself in that situation? It's complicated now. If you asked me that 10 years ago, I would say you can do whatever the heck you want. But nowadays, you get Facebook stalked by potential businesses. People get fired over Facebook posts. Uh, it's just, it's become a th- pri- personal, private accounts. Someone takes a screen grab of your Facebook, even though it's private, you can get fired. So that's that's just a product of the of the current like professional business landscape. Do I agree with it? Not always your private life should be your private life. So do I think if I engage with a, um, an angry board of the video games fan or a not fan and we got into a cussing match on Twitter, I think that's between me and that person. But maybe Donnie wants me fired. Like he has the right to do that. But do I agree with it? Not necessarily. You should be able to defend yourself, I think. Okay. So this is an interesting thing, right? Because, you know, in my line of work, uh, I am very, you'll notice that I am on social media, like I am on Twitter and I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. I don't post very often though. Right. Very rarely do I post. And there's a reason for that. And that's because in my profession, I have to be very careful about what I say and how I say it and what appearance that may or may not have, even in my personal life. And I'm not saying that's right. And I'm not saying that it should be that way. But for me and my job, that is the way that it is. And I think the unfortunate thing is that video games to me seem like the perfect place. And I feel like you do have folks who are examples of doing it this way. To me, it seems like video games are the perfect place to be able to stake out what social media can and cannot be. Well, what the social media could be for employees, right? That if someone who is using your product, but maybe not using it in good faith or is coming after you in a way that is not positive and supportive, that as an employee, you can say like, yo, no, that's not appropriate for you to do that. And I feel like too often and too quickly, video games, like every other industry, are too willing to roll over on their employees than they are willing to stand next to their employees and stand by them and say, hey. This person has done good work. They've committed very positively to our company. They have made great decisions and really been an awesome employee. And you might be really upset with them. And yeah, maybe it wasn't appropriate what they said back to you, but that doesn't erase all the thing positive things they have done. Now, obviously there are, depending on what they say and a whole lot of other things that that doesn't give you a get out of jail free card, 
But I do feel like for many, many things that game companies especially could do more to stand up to uh, internet trolls, for lack of a better word, because in a lot of ways, they're the ones who created them. One of the biggest companies in video games changed their vision of a piece of work because of internet trolls. Yeah. That's insane. And I think the the scariest thing about this is, is that if you read more into this arena net story and everything that gone has gone on there, the subreddit for this game for Guild Wars now basically has put out a notice to employees of arena net of like, you better do what we want or we can get you fired. That's just terrible. Which you, don't, you can never feel safe at your job because right. you don't feel protected by your employer. Right. Which though, in, I don't want to say defense of the subreddit, is clearly true. And so that, yeah, they, they set the parameters for your your employment. They right. can do whatever they want and that because, test technically. Because <laughs> yeah, ArenaNet has shown that they are willing to fold to that pressure. So yeah. I think that's the dangerous slippery slope that we get into with this now of, of where does that end? Where does the, you know, slippery slope or the standing by our employees or just giving in to the demands of the consumer at every turn, does that ever end? And should it end, I guess? I'm sure there are probably some people who say, you know, we need to have as many consumer protections as we can. We need to ensure that consumers and the folks who purchase these games are, they feel that they are getting their money's worth and that their voice is being heard. And I understand that. I think that there's definitely value in not being taken advantage of as a consumer. But I think there's also a point where you can say, hey, the company has done a good faith effort here to meet your demands to meet right. your expectations. I shouldn't I should say demands to meet your expectations of what this product should be. And they have shared their vision of what they want it to be and what direction they're going with it. And yes, they want to make their consumers happy. Yes. They're trying to, our business are trying to make money. I a hundred percent understand that. But you know, when you have folks who can basically be like, look, this one person was kind of mean to me on the internet. And now I think they should lose their job. And everyone's like, cool. That seems fine. It's kind of a scary place to be. It's mob mentality. Like everyone's like, yeah, I get the pick, get the pitchforks. Can you imagine walking into a GameStop, looking at like the top six newest PS4 games and being like, yeah, like it, like it. Oh, I don't like that. Uh, they need to fix that game so I can play that game. Like it, like it. Oh, I don't like that game. They need to get rid of that game. That's what people feel like now. They can't walk and look at something that isn't for them. They need it to be for them. Right. And guess what, people? Solo, a Star Wars story, wasn't for kids. It was for 30-somethings who wanted to see Han Solo. That's why it didn't do as well as Star Wars. Uh, Last Jedi, stop attacking Ryan Johnson. He made his movie. Stop trying to remake his movie. People need to... Everyone needs... Medical marijuana needs to be everywhere. Everyone needs to just chill out (laughs) i'm prescribing everyone a chill pill a literal chill pill (laughs) it is really interesting right because when we talk about and we'll talk about in the discord which you should all come and join because we have great conversations there and there was a really interesting actually conversation that spurred from um, the last ot episode about you know xbox and the state of xbox and what things have happened depending on leadership and different when the xbox launched and it really is interesting because you know 
there's good things about fans and fandom. Like there are the excitement and the energy and the passion and being able to connect with people about things that you like and being really being able to share with people the things that you are excited about and why you're excited about them and how they've had positive impacts in your life and the things they have done. Like that is very cool. And that is the exciting, awesome thing about fandom. But then you have all the things that have happened with star wars all the things that have happened now i th- would say with this guild war stuff like yeah. there is a dark side for lack of a better term to fandom that things get in a lot of ways scary and for, you know i i i struggle with making these comparisons because i think that it's a it's a false negative it doesn't mean that this would is where people's energies would go but folks are sometimes so passionate about these things that if they were half as passionate as they were about the state of star Wars as they were about our education system or homelessness or right. hunger or anything like that. Like think of the things we could do, but obviously, you know, we all need recreation. Like I understand that I'm not saying that we should give up the things that we, that give us energy and rejuvenate us. But it is one of those things that when you look at how much energy is put into destroying for lack of a better word, the lives and the works of people just because you didn't like it, yeah. it's kind of in, it's it's kind of mind-boggling. Yeah, it's it's terrifying. I, I just I can't. I think it's terrifying because I can't understand it. Like there's a lot of things I can play like devil's advocate on, which I do. I just I don't see that side, and that's what's scary to me about it. I don't see the that point of view. I I tried to understand why. Um, but I, I don't know. I just never lived my life thinking that well, I think what it comes down to is that everything that surrounds you in your life should be for you. And I don't, that's not possible. Right. Like, it's not possible. Like you can't live your life like, well, I don't know, like the King of England. And that's a terrible, weird analogy. Cause that's, does doesn't apply anymore. But like the connotation, like from the, olden days if you will like you can't no one lives their life like that anymore yeah and if you do you're delusional (laughs) no don't attack us people (laughs) it's just i don't know it's depressing sometimes um the most important thing that we can do as fans um is to ignore it because that's where they feed is from people hearing what they're saying and engaging them. I also wouldn't mind, I was reading that Discord today, I would really like to try to take that negative connotation out of fanboyism, maybe even just get rid of that word, because it can be used so negatively. Like it used to be like a fanboy was someone who was excited about a company, but now it's used in such a derogatory term. Like, And I'm not saying that that was the intention used in the conversation, but when you're reading something to take context out of something like it's really hard via text. And when someone's saying you're a fanboy or you're showing fanboyism or whatever, it has such a negative like connotation to it. Like you can be excited about Sony or Nintendo or Microsoft and you shouldn't have to be labeled a fanboy because of that. Like, I think we're beyond that. Just what I think. Like, I mean, it's not going to stop people from using it, but. Mm-hmm. I can understand. I can understand. You're just a Sony fan. You're a bigger Sony fan than I am, and I'm a bigger Xbox fan than you are. It's just how it is, and I think and we look, both we like Nintendo a, equally. Yeah, we still do a podcast together, even. That's fine. We can coexist. <laughs> just because we can't play together doesn't mean we can co- can't coexist. <laughs> we have an, I have an Xbox. We can play together just fine. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so I mean, that being said, it, it's 
we see it happen daily, weekly, monthly with gaming, people leaving companies, people getting off social media platforms because of mm -hmm. harassment. It just, I don't know. I, it's easy to say it just needs to stop, but obviously we don't know how to stop these people. And some people, like I said, say you need to ignore it and it doesn't work all the time. So right. I don't know. If yeah. you want to engage someone, that's your prerogative, man. And if you want to try to put them in your place, more power to you, but you need to know that there could be consequences to your actions and you need to be okay with those consequences. Yeah. I think the thing that's slightly hard in the arena net situation is that the person who, one of the folks who got fired and I don't remember their name and I should look it up, but anyway, they were very well known for being very outspoken on their social media accounts, on their personal social media accounts. And they even addressed it when they got hired saying, Hey, this is who I am and I'm not going to change this. You have to be okay with that. And they said they were. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that like, it's not, it was not, I don't want to say out of character, but this was not a person who they didn't know what they were getting. You know, like they knew who this person was. They had honestly represented themselves. Their history, like how they have acted has not changed. You know, it just was that maybe this was the one time that pushed them, pushed, you know, the company over. I don't know. Um, yeah. it, it's just hard. I think it is a, a interesting situation. And plus, you know, when, it, especially when it comes to, Fans talking about things like, you know, very rarely do I think that you, you know, any of us are the first person to share an, a revelation with a developer or a designer or uh, whoever, you know, oh, did you ever think about, you know, what would make this game better is like, I promise if you have that thought, they've probably heard it a hundred, if not a thousand times yeah. about how this thing could be better or different. And I think one of the things you'll notice was I, te I tend not to talk about things I don't really like on this show. Yeah, like last week I banged a little bit on Skippo and Phase 10, also games that are 30 plus <laughs> years old. But like I tend not to try to, t I tend not to talk uh, too much about things that I'm not into. Not because I don't think it's okay to be critical of art. I think it is, but there's just so much criticism stuff these days that I just want to focus on the things I like right now. Like that's just what brings me joy. And I play games to have fun and to be joyful. And I think there's definitely place for criticism. That's just not a place I'm in right now where I want to be leveraging a bunch of criticism towards. Right. But it's not like you like wage war on Skipbo. Like, that's true. Well, like I, did say, I did say it was a horrible game. Well, but for you, there's <laughs> yeah. probably 30,000 people out there or more that love the game. Right. It's just not for you. And it can, you can have games that you think are horrible. Like <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> like people produce content. Not everyone loves it. Right. If you, if you started writing them letters and saying, you need to change this card. <laughs> I hate your game. Like that's the, that's the level we're at. Absolutely. Okay. So, hey, do you have thoughts on how much interaction or non-interaction developers should have with the with their community? Is it okay for them to if they say if somebody in the community says something they don't agree with? Is it okay to hold their that community members' feet to the fire? I would love to know if Oak's thoughts. Hit us up at board with VG. Let us know what you think. Uh, unless it's about us, then just please only say nice things. Um, I do believe we have one question is that right josh from one intrepid listener we do we do we do so uh, it's in reference to a news article that came out today uh, the internet has been affectionately calling it azul grada i think we'll call it sagrazul for us um and it's called azul stained glass of sintra not sinatra um and it is essentially azul meets sagrada so uh Splig, at Dopalicious says Azul stained glass of Sintra interesting expansion or reskin cash grab at quick glance I'm leaning towards the latter and then he put a little sideways frowny face uh, to which I replied as us 
And then his reply says, <laughs> I wouldn't even read ours, uh, not knocking both around my shirtless to buy. Uh, but now I'm like, do I bother getting Azul? I never buy last year's Call of Duty. So right off the bat, don't compare Azul to Call of Duty, please. <laughs> and you didn't miss anything by not buying last year's Call of Duty also. <laughs> I know some people liked it, but... I was just thinking about it, and I right away went to Infinite Warfare, and I was like, nope, we're talking about the World War II one. We've all played fine. Call of Duty and World War II, and it, doesn't, and it wasn't last year's. Yeah, <laughs> it was, was seven years ago. So, um, so uh, I would say, so my comment is something I will uh, not quote, but I will share my same thoughts. Azul is a game that everyone should play, I feel. It is a great game, and it stands alone. So this game is, while it does look like it's going to use similar mechanics, um, to me this looks more like a Century Spice Roads, Eastern Wonders kind of mix. So like you're getting the same type of theme, but... Uh, different game mechanisms to it, a spiritual sequel, as I think they call it. Um, So they can both live in their own worlds, and you may prefer one or the other. You might still prefer Azul. I don't think it's at such a price point where you have to pick one. You can get both. I mean, 40 bucks for Azul, probably cheaper if you buy it on Miniature Market um, or Cool Stuff Inc. So I still say... Uh, interesting expansion, although it's not really an expansion. It's a standalone game. So I say I'm all excited for it while I, we did talk a little bit earlier about it. I do feel bad for Sagrada. I do feel like the Fortnite PUBG instance, and who knows if there'll be a lawsuit from, from floodgate games. <laughs> uh, but I think after we talked about it, there's, it looks to be different enough um, that I think it's just an homage to Sagrada more than it is a stealing of idea. What do you think? So I'll be honest, the first time I saw this, I totally thought it was a new version of Sagrada. <laughs> like I totally blanked on the Azul part and thought it was a some sort of like standalone different type of Sagrada. With that being said, though, I'm totally fine with this. I think this is totally 100% okay. Yes, you know, there are squares in the colors of a stained glass window and there are things that might make you feel like you're, you're getting some Sagrada there, but how many different racing games are there? How right. many different, you know, train games are there? How many different whatever games are there? And I think with board games, you tend to see that there's going to probably be more similarities when you have are sharing mechanics, but that doesn't mean the game is going to feel the same when you play it. So I'm totally okay with this. I think it just happens to be that this is a small market, if you would, or a small mechanic slash genre right now. But that in the future, you know, if other companies choose to do this or go down this road, you're probably going to see a number of stained glass games that are going to probably have some sort of things that seem a little bit similar, but the gameplay might feel completely different. So I think that's the hard thing. Like we haven't seen a rule book. The rules aren't available. So who knows how close this is really going to feel when you play it. Yeah, you might look and have some similarities, but the feel might be totally different. So I think this is totally fine. I'm not worried about this at all right now. But, you know, when the rules come out, if it plays just like Sagrada, then, hey, yeah, maybe we'll have something to worry about. But even just in looking at it, if you really look at it, it seems like there's going to be a significant number of differences from that game. So, yeah, I think this is just since it's such a small market of that. It's such a small genre. And since Sagrada was so big, I think that's why people are keying in on that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean... They're taking what they do good, what people like about Azul, um, which is the the um, 
the what's the name of the floor? The show floor. I'm blanking on the name where you yeah, pick the tiles off of. Um, they're taking that aspect of the um, tile drafting system as you as it is, and just implementing that into something that seems like it fits mm-hmm. to that you know mechanic. So um, I'm all. I'm all on to take that train reference. I'm all aboard uh, on this game. Um, Perfect. Yeah. So I'm excited. So thanks for the question, uh, Splig. Yeah. And I mean, if you want, and some people will say I'm not always a huge fan of the board game Reddit. There are some interesting things on there. But if you want to find some really interesting names that people have created for the game, feel free to check out the board game Reddit because they've come mm. up with some pretty doozies. Uh, <laughs> so anyway. Hey, with that, I think we've gone on and rambled on long enough. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? What a great idea. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us again every week. We love it. Episode 40. Can you believe it? We've been doing this for 41 weeks, actually. Right, because of the week after E3. <laughs> um, <laughs> we didn't take the holidays off in December, but we took E3 off. <laughs> power right through that. Um, uh, remember, you can find us uh, on all the social medias. That is at board with VG, B O A R D with VG. Um, and make sure you use that hashtag, hashtag board with VG. That's uh, facebook.com slash board with VG. And of course, that fabled board with VG at gmail.com, basically a fanfiction inbox. Waiting for the, <laughs> that first fanfic. I hope it comes soon. Well, we got Gen Con coming up soon, so hopefully we have a, another email coming soon. <laughs> uh, but I can I can dream. Uh, congratulations again to Paul Calico. I'm not going to tweet at Paul until like Saturday because I want to leave some surprise if he actually listens to us on Thursday. Oh, nice, yeah. And if he doesn't, we'll find out because we, if he doesn't reply, we'll know he listens later. Or he might have stopped listening altogether. <laughs> Uh, you can find me at Josh Bones on Twitter uh, at Dad Comma Gamer on Instagram. No, it's Baloney Barboni now. I keep forgetting. <laughs> uh, why is so serious on Xbox and PS4? That's W H Y S. Why am I spelling the whole thing? Serious S I R R I U S. Wow. <laughs> uh, that's it for me, Kyle. Where can people find you? As always, you can find me at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. And that's on pretty much everything on the Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek. I'm at that everywhere. Once again, thanks to all the supporters out there and everyone who's contributed at, to the Make Us Better Patreon at patreon.com slash makeusbetter. Uh, we really do appreciate it. We definitely couldn't do this without you. If you have any suggestions for future topics, always be sure to reach out to us on the social medias because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. This has been a production of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Find more great content at playsomevideogames.com.